Welcome back, listeners. We have a super awesome episode this week. I'm very excited about it. This week, we're talking to former Brewers and current Milwaukee Milkman pitcher Tim Dillard. He answered a bunch of questions for me and talked to me. It was a great honor talking to him. I hope you guys really enjoy this interview. He spent time with me talking about all things baseball, but he also gave a lot of life wisdom as well. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's get started. Alright everyone, do me a favor and go on Apple or wherever you get your podcast and go subscribe and rate five stars for the inner monologues of of Dim Tillard podcast. It's a great podcast, it's hilarious if you're a fan of baseball, if you're a fan of comedy, you're going to love this podcast. Please go check this out, great podcast, I love this podcast personally. This is not just a plug that someone paid me to do, I'm telling you, you want to listen to this. It is fantastic. Also follow him on his Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, at Dim Tillard. He puts out hilarious stuff, and he also gives out a bunch of knowledge as well. He's a great person to follow. You'll want to check out his social media. So let's take a break, and then let's jump into the interview. Thanks so much, Tim, uh, for joining us. Agreeing to do this is a huge honor to be able to talk to you. Uh, I'm a big fan of your work, not just on the baseball field, but uh, on your podcast as well. And even when you were contributing to MLBTradeRumors.com, it's the first place I saw uh, stuff that you did. I thought it was hilarious, and I kind of followed your work ever since. So thanks so much for, for joining. Oh, yeah. Yeah, appreciate it. No, I, f- I forgot about MLB trade rumors. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. I, don't, I think a lot of people, did, they were like, uh, well, what does this have to do with like rumors, like trade rumors? And I'm like, nothing. I just wrote about pointless everything. So <laughs> people were like, well, you're not giving me any insight. And I'm like, well, I'm giving you some insight on how minor league baseball works. So that was my goal. Right. Which that was a lot of fun. I, I thought it was awesome. Nice. So uh, for some of the listeners that may not know about your career, can you tell us about your experience as a professional ball player? Sure. I, I, I'm going to go on a limb and say probably nobody knows much about my career. <laughs> but then again, I haven't met all your listeners. Um, yeah, this is I'm currently in my 18th season in professional baseball. Uh, before that, my dad was a coach in minor league baseball, so I grew up in the clubhouse. Um, I don't know. I just somehow keep finding a job playing. I'm a sidearm pitcher now. I came in the in 2003, my first season, I was over the top or more over the top. And then suddenly, you know, after not doing that great for about seven years, I dropped sidearm. So for the last 11 seasons, I've been sidearm. But I don't know. Uh, that's pretty much it. I spent about 16 seasons on and off with the Milwaukee Brewers and then spent last year in AAA with the Texas Rangers, which probably had my best year at age 30, 
36. I think I was 36 last year. I'm 37 this year. So yeah, <laughs> I'm still around and I have a beard that my wife hates. So yeah, that's that's awesome. it's all <laughs> yeah. yeah, full circle. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so speaking of 17 years ago, I'm, I'm sure times have changed as far as how the draft works and going up to the minors works. But what was it like the few days of the draft? What was going on in your mind when you thought you had a possibility of becoming a pro ball player? Yeah, well, back then, you know, there was no way to find out really, except if you got a phone call. Um, we, I went over to a friend's house in 2001. I was drafted in 2001 and 2002, both times as a catcher. And oh. the first time I had to go over to a friend's house because they had, uh, there were the only people that we knew that had internet. So like, cause nobody even knew what that was at the time. And, uh, anyway, it was like, you know, you got to click refresh and it was like on the first round and I'm clicking refresh. And then suddenly, um, cause we had told the scout guy, like, Hey, here's the phone number that you need to reach us at because we don't have internet at our house and which we live, you know, kind of out off the beaten path growing up in Mississippi. And so I'm pretty sure my parents just got internet like in the last year or so, but that's irrelevant to this story. But anyway, so I'm refreshing on round one and I get a phone call and they're like, Hey, this is such and such with the brewers. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, I'm a first rounder. But you know, with the lag time, I was actually a 15th rounder. (laughs) So anyway, there was a moment there where I was like, yay. Um, But I was actually hurt my left shoulder, my non-throwing shoulder. I used to swing really big and I had problems with it. So I ended up, ended up not signing and then didn't play much my freshman year at junior college the next year, but I still got drafted in the 34th round. And then the way the draft works, you could have a draft and follow. So they followed me and they wanted to sign me as a pitcher right before the 2003 draft. And so, yeah, anyway, I just keep playing. They said I had a, a better career as a pitcher as opposed to a catcher. So they wanted me to pitch. And that was, like I said, that was 18 seasons ago. They knew something I didn't. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. And it's cool that you uh, started over the top and moved to sidearm, showed that you were willing to do what you needed to do, which is great. Well, well, I think a lot of times, I mean, I got three kids and two of them are playing Little League right now. And, and, you know, they're like, they go around the room. Okay, what position do you play? Oh, I'm a shortstop. Well, every kid plays shortstop, right? Like, oh, I'm a pitcher and I, and I play first. Like, okay, well. What I, get, what I like to tell my son is like, be a master of every position because you don't know what, you know, if, if, if you're going to play baseball in high school, it may be, it may change. You know, you may be the fastest kid now, but then next year you may be the slowest kid, but you can hit home runs. And so you have different skill sets, but it's okay to learn them all. There's no, no harm in that. Oh, I definitely agree with that. Um, that. I definitely agree. There's something to be said for people that are versatile for sure. Um, oh, yeah. That's great. I can juggle. I can juggle too. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's relevant. But I, uh, <laughs> I think that the answer to that is that juggling is juggling is always relevant. Of course. <laughs> so uh, one of the things I do in my show is I really dig into um, stats and saber metrics and uh, and you know like the advanced metrics and stuff. And some of the few people that I've talked to, I I had the privilege of talking to um, Jay Chapman who was a pitcher in the Braves system for a while in Chicago Cubs. And one of things, oh, that's awesome. Small yeah, world. yeah, we were teammates for like two or three years. He's been that's in some awesome. of my social media videos. Oh, great hair, cool. great hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. He was a super nice guy too, oh, super yeah. nice guy. But uh, um, one of the things he was saying is that, you know, 
some players they understand why they that you know organizations use these metrics and stuff but sometimes you know it's a little frustrating because there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes or during the game that statistics don't really measure like maybe a pitcher his pickoff move isn't really uh measured or or how how he prepares or how he stares down the batter just little like unwritten things that aren't really in statistics sure so do you have any thoughts on that kind of stuff well i mean there's there's a balance there i think if you go too much statistics especially on the pitching side when you have very little control um it can be frustrating so over the past i don't know five years guys have really gotten into that so you got these young guys that go okay well all I have to do is execute, you know, this fastball at this rotations per second. And if I hit this location and then I throw my curveball off of that in the same spot and it's this, then everything works out. Like all you have to do is do that and that's it. And I wish it was that simple. But the problem is you have umpires that maybe sometimes don't think those are strikes or you have hitters that have practiced how to hit those pitches and they can actually do some damage against them or they learn to take and they walk. And so suddenly a pitcher who's been taught if you do, you know, this pitch and this pitch, you're going to have success. They get out on the mound and then suddenly they're just getting demolished, whether it's they walk in runs or they're getting, you know, giving up home runs and doubles. And so then what do you do? Because there's no, I mean, if you're looking for a, a statistic to help you in that moment and there's, it's not there. <laughs> yeah. Believe me, believe me, I've been in, in tough spots. I've had four or five people on base before and I'm like, I need some help, right? Like maybe I'm supposed to be left-handed in this moment. Um, <laughs> So you have these, you know, thoughts of what you're going to do. So it takes away a little bit of the competitive nature of getting out there and going, I just don't want to get beat. And there's been times where I didn't have anything on the mound. I could barely throw a strike. But I think my nature of just not wanting to get beat and competing takes over, you know, kind of that fight or flight where you just have to kind of, you know, get in beast mode or whatever it is to just overcome because that's really what happens most of the time. Like what if, you know, all your fielders behind you stayed up late. And so they're not as quick as they were. And so you make the pitch and boom, broken bat and you turn around and it should be a double play, but it ends up in right field. So then what do you do? Right? Like, did you mess up? But no, you just don't have control over that. And so that's the problem. Statistics give an idea of, especially a player, this idea of control, which is what we're all looking for in the big scheme of life. Right? So, you know, it sounds really good. Like, Hey, you can control this. And pitchers are like, Oh, I'll totally gravitate to that. But what it excludes is some of the stuff that goes into just getting out there and trying to win. Wow. That was, yeah, that was I'm sorry. I, don't, answer. I, I literally it. just came up with that on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. I can vouch for this guy. He is not looking at any notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm looking at my coffee cup. Right. <laughs> so, uh, today's a pretty big day. Um, this will probably air in about two weeks, but, uh, as of right now during the recording, Today is trade deadline day, which I'm sure really? can be pretty nerve-wracking to um, to players that could possibly be traded. You know, um, what was it like around the clubhouse and stuff with with guys thinking they might be traded? Was it nerve-wracking thinking about that kind of thing, or was it just part of the business? I mean, I it's still kind of rare. You think about how many players play and. You know, you can, I know, I've known tons of guys that have played a long time that have never been traded. I've never been traded. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it gives you this distraction. I think guys just get distracted by it sometimes for no reason. I mean, mm -hmm. hey, you get traded, guess what? You still don't have any control. Like, right. <laughs> you sign up to play baseball and 
if a team wants to take you and put you on another team, well, there you go. And you don't have control over that. So there's a lot of, you know, guys get anxiety or frustrations, or maybe they get overexcited because, oh, I'm super important. So I'm going to be traded, but you don't know, you don't control any of that stuff. So the stuff that I can't control or mess with, I really don't waste much brain power to. And I actually try to help the younger guys kind of put that stuff in perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like the draft. Uh, years, you know, you got the young guys that come up, they first year AAA, and they still know guys that are in college. So they're like, oh, yeah, they drafted this guy. I love this guy. And that's great. But at the same time, every draft, they're, they're bringing in more players to take your job, right? So you're getting all excited for the draft, but it's like, that's kind of not, you're not really looking at it the right way. You should look at it as, okay, well, I need to take care of my business and do the best I can so that, you know, these 50 or 100 players that are coming in aren't going to take my job. So, right. you know, it's, it's kind of just a, uh, I don't know, a perspective thing. And I've just had so much perspective in my, you know, almost couple decades doing this. So <laughs> anything else, maybe I can't get everybody out, but I can offer perspective. I, I got that in, <laughs> in gallons. So that's awesome. So, uh, so in, during your time, did you have any, I don't know, like a particular batter that you just, were terrified to face every time because he just had your number seemed like uh yeah i would say yadier molina is the guy that's probably like four for three off of me i don't know how he did that but he's a, <laughs> he, i just feel like he's hit a double every time he's swung against me i've only faced him a few times but he just he just knew what he was doing you know and i that's hard that's hard to face a hitter that knows what you're doing but i don't know i feel like there's a couple dozen players that probably <laughs> own me um <laughs> I don't know, Rafael for a call. I feel like he hit me well. Uh, Michael Kadire maybe had a hit off me once and I thought I was a good pitch. But anyway, like, you know, if you have this built up track record in the big leagues of 10 years, you know, you look at someone like Adam Wainwright, who's been, you know, pitching for however long, um, you know, he can probably really point to a guy that's like, this guy is, you know, 20 for 25 against me. You know, that's, that's a good built up of stats. In the minor leagues, though, everything can change because guys are always changing to try to get to the big leagues. So if I face a guy over the top and then the next year I was sidearm and I faced him sidearm, it's going to be totally different. Or maybe I come up with another pitch or maybe, you know, they come up with a different stance or swing. And so some of that stuff, you just kind of I would say most guys don't even think about it. I would say probably coaches and analytics, you know, analytical people probably bring that to the forefront a little more than pitchers know you know if i'm sitting around and a guy comes up and goes hey this guy's five for ten off you i probably don't know that but i'm going oh and if nothing else it'll just make you be more careful when you're right. racing that's awesome so let's get to, to uh some some kind of more fun stuff i guess you could say statistics are fun <laughs> yeah that's true not really <laughs> <laughs> they're fun to me i I'm oh yeah, a, yeah. i'm a uh I'm a cyber analyst by trade, so I'm kind of into really? the numbers. Yeah, so yeah, so you're smart. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that, but smarter I knew what me. I have to do to get a job. Let's just put it that way. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and me too. <laughs> me too. I've slept in my car. <laughs> so hearing you talk about some of your stories and stuff, um, you're a fun guy and you like having fun. So did you ever pull any pranks in the clubhouse? Um, I mean, not really. I was never really a prank guy. I did see one go really bad once in 2005. We were in, um, I was in the Florida state league and I know it's hot there, but 
one guy, I don't know if he was late for practice or something, but they took all his clothes and they got them all wet and stuck them in the freezer. And I thought, that's kind of messed up. Because <laughs> <laughs> like the guy, they didn't take the guy's like wallet out. Like what, are, I mean, I don't know if we had cell phone. I didn't have a cell phone then, but maybe most people had cell phones then. And, you know, you're starting to, you know, that's messing with people's things. But I don't know. I never was a big prank guy because I, baseball players, and I'm sure a lot of, you know, how you prepare for a sporting event is kind of along the same lines. It could be football or basketball or whatever. Uh, but baseball players, they're really particular about how they get ready. Um, I wouldn't call it a superstition every time, but it's more of a, a checklist of this is how I put my uniform on. This is where my glove is. This is my bat, you know, wristbands, hat, you know, my spikes. I want everything to be ready so I don't have to worry about anything. I'm totally prepared equipment wise and mentally to go out there and play. And so when you start doing pranks, you know, you usually the pranks come along with with messing with people and messing with their stuff. And you just kind of don't want to do that uh, in the clubhouse. But there's there's sometimes like on a bus trip where they'll make guys get up and sing and things like that. And that's that's as good as any prank that's out there. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my favorite segments on your podcast which definitely can tell us a little bit about your podcast later. And I definitely want you to share about it, but is that you do a, a lot of your episodes, you have segments where you just tell stories. So, um, which I thought is, is really fun. Uh, do you have any type of story that really sticks out as one of your favorite, I guess, little short stories of something that's happened to you? I mean, that's pretty broad. That is um, very broad. I'll tell you what, I just had a story, um, man, like, five days, four days ago, three days ago. I don't know when this is airing, so it may be a little off, but I actually, I'm in Milwaukee right now playing for the Milwaukee Milkmen. Uh, there's only about 50 teams on planet earth playing baseball right now. And there's even fewer that have fans, right? There's no major league fans. So you're looking at less than 20 teams that actually have fans across the globe. And somehow I got connected with one here in Milwaukee and uh, in between starts, I'm actually a starting pitcher. So I think this was whatever day I uh, was invited by the Milwaukee Brewers to do broadcasting. So I was actually in the booth for Fox Sports Wisconsin calling a game with no fans uh, with a headset, right? Like talking baseball, watching a major league game. And then the next day I, I, threw, uh, I threw five in the third innings <laughs> and we won, which was even better. And I got a win. So um, I don't know. That's a pretty good little story. Not too many people broadcast a doubleheader, the first doubleheader at Miller Park ever, and then uh, and then throw five innings the next day. So Yeah, yeah that's pretty awesome. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's you like stats? You like stats? Look that one up. Yeah, how many people have ever done that? <laughs> but that's what you do. You play long enough, you just add stories to the stories. You know. Right. And I was talking to a guy last night. Uh, we just got back from Chicago. We were in Chicago. And uh, we got back and we were kind of talking on the bus or whatever. And, and I said, you know, you, you play at these different places. I'd never played at that particular stadium. And we're about to go play at another stadium in St. Paul. And I've never played there. I was like, you just start adding these feathers in your cap of like, you know what? I've never played here before, but boom, now I got that experience. And, and now I've experienced this. And when you're looking for new adventures and new experiences, it really gives you the positive frame of mind because you're like looking at it like, oh yeah, this is going to be a story I tell later, maybe, or, you know, <laughs> it may be good or bad, but either, either way you're going to go through it. And it's how your, your attitude is and how you perceive it uh, is, is how you tell the story. It could be a negative story or a positive story, but I try to turn them all into positive stories. 
Hey, that's a that's a good piece of advice for life right there. And yeah. No, no, no. Baseball. Just baseball. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I think baseball is a perfect metaphor for life. Like the things that we encounter in just one season is probably built into, you know, it could take years to experience all that stuff um, outside of baseball. You know, when you're just, you know, you, you're doing the grind of life, uh, the stuff that you encounter. But baseball, man, we, we have all sorts of stuff, whether it's travel or whether it's family or whether it's, you know, teammates, coworkers, right? Like all mm -hmm. the stuff that can go on. And we're doing it from, you know, people from all over the globe, right? So we have teammates from Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico or, you know, Japan or, I don't know, Venezuela, you know, Mexico. Like you just, you have all these backgrounds and all these experiences and everyone's bringing in their own um, just unique style of life. And, and how does that function? Like, how does everybody come together as a team? What does that look like? And so you're talking about a lot of life experience packed into every season. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely. I would imagine that you've met a lot more people than most people have. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's what I mean. In my in my my experience with uh, you know prior to my job now is I was military for a little while, and that's one of the things that I always said that one of the best experiences is you meet people from all different cultures that you never would have met in the first place, and you probably have done that more than I have just in one season because you're getting multiple countries and different cultures uh, either on your team or other teams. Whereas me, I'm just, I mean, I was just stuck in the shop with a few different cultures, but you were exposed to all different types of cultures. And it really, really is eye opening to um, really the beauty of the human race, honestly. And so uh, that's really cool. I, that no, was really awesome. No, that's good. That's good. That's the way you have to look at it, right? Like we're all part of this mosaic, you know, there's different, you know, pieces and different sizes and colors but at, you put it all together it's beautiful and that's what that's what a clubhouse is to me but yes that's exactly what life is because you don't know who you're going to come in contact with but when you learn you know about people you learn about their backgrounds uh you you know you get to know their families you get to see how they are as people it's really easy to love them that way because you do know them and so that's just kind of you learn that skill of okay well maybe we don't have aligning views on every single thing well how can we still be friends how do we still get along how do we still have each other's backs and uh anyway that obviously spills out into every facet of life right definitely so uh on your show you've had some great interviews and coincidentally you've had some with some former braves and david carpenter he was on the braves yeah, for a while r.a dickey mm -hmm. um so do you have some any uh how did you meet those guys well, Dickie, we were teammates in 2007, uh, my first year in AAA. He, he thought he was on his way out. Like, he thought he was, you know, this is his last hurrah. He got a job with the Brewers because the Brewers were in uh, Nashville, where mm -hmm. he's from or where he lives. And so that was kind of, you know, he thought this was going to be the last season and he's going to retire. That was 2007. The guy won Cy Young five years later, right? right. So, and I was up and coming. I didn't know any better. I was like, this guy has a great beard. Maybe one day I'll have a beard. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe one day I'll be throwing knuckleball. Um, but yeah, he's a special guy. He's a special guy. Everybody he, that comes in contact with him knows that. Um, and then, yeah, David Carpenter, who's my teammate last year. He was a catcher and a pitcher for my dad in the Cardinals organization, I guess, coming up. So we have all these ties. But we were locker mates last year. And it's just, it's just awesome to get to know people. Um, and just hear their story. And he has a great one. I mean, he was setting up for Kimbrel at one time. He's pitched in the playoffs. 
he's uh, he's done it all. And right now, as far as I know, he's still on the taxi squad for the Cincinnati Reds. So mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Like you play long enough, you meet these people. You're whatever, regardless of what team they're on, you root for them in some capacity. Oh, I'm sure. I'm I'm sure. Yeah, it's 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 fun. I just love. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Just players in general. Like the sport of baseball is awesome. And sure, like I'm a Braves fan, but I'm a baseball fan first, you know. And so it's really cool to see, you know, learn stories about these different players and and really root for them as human beings. Uh, you know, sometimes we forget that that Major League Baseball players are are not just a product that gets put on a field. They're they're real people, and yeah. it's really cool to hear their stories and and uh, how they got there. And uh, and that's one of the reasons why I really enjoy that segment on your show about when you tell stories and stuff because you really humanize the whole thing which is awesome uh so keep doing that because i really yeah. enjoy it <laughs> no that's awesome yeah i just was actually looking for something to do on the podcast and i thought well i'll just tell a story and then i was like well what story do i tell so i was like well i'll just tell one from every year so i started in 03 and i don't know i haven't put out an episode in a while because i've actually been playing <laughs> <laughs> nice baseball uh but i got maybe up to like 14 stories or 13 stories so i was probably in 2000 14 or 15 you know it's interesting the Braves have Ender Inciarte I played with him in Venezuela and you know a lot of times you don't you don't really get to understand uh you know where these players are from but like you know when the guys are from Venezuela I mean they're going through a hard time they've been going through a hard time for six or seven years now and what's going on in that country so you see these guys performing on the field but what you don't know is like these guys have family immediate family extended family that are you know, sometimes looking for just the basic necessities. And so mm-hmm. that's what I found out. I didn't know this stuff. And it really gives you a heart for it because you'd be in the clubhouse with teammates that, you know, are going through a hard time. And so any way you can help them, if you're looking to help and you know how to help, I mean, it's, it's a big relief for a lot of guys. Yeah, that's, that's, that was deep. And yeah, I'm tra- Dude, it's that early, awesome. man. What- <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Hey, well, we're praying for people in Venezuela. Um, it's funny because Ender Inciarte comes up a lot um, in conversations among Braves fans, and uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of his. He's uh, he's struggling a bit with the bat this year, but dude can play defense. Well, you yeah. know, a lot of times, you know, they, they're going to, you know, you want to quantify everything, and they got war, like wins above replacement or whatever, and, like, you got all this stuff. There's so many things you can't measure. Like, number one, he's a great teammate. He helps everybody around him. Yes, he's phenomenal in center, plays hard. It's just inspiring. You know, one of my favorite teammates of all time was Prince Fielder. And Prince Fielder, we, we went to the playoffs with the Brewers in 2011. And then, then we lost Prince. We didn't have him for 2012. And so seeing the difference of the clubhouse from one year to the next, it was just you realize the impact that somebody like that had. Now, Prince, you know, was hitting 50 bombs or whatever he was hitting. But, <laughs> but those impact players, like, like I said before, you, you can't measure that kind of stuff. So, like, after a loss, Prince would be the first guy to go, hey, we got beat, but, you know, we're not going to let it just demolish us today. So he's the guy that comes in telling stories from the game and joking around. You know, that's the kind of stuff that guys like Inciarte can bring to just, its perspective, pumping perspective in the moments when you need it the most. Like, hey, we just lost. But he's the guy that's like, hey, we'll get them tomorrow. I'm playing hard tomorrow. You playing hard tomorrow? Hey, let's, you know, put some music on. Let's don't just wallow in our, you know, that we lost. He's like, it starts now to get prepared mentally and physically for what we're going to do tomorrow. That's awesome. So uh, why don't you tell us about some of the current projects you're working on? You do have your podcast. Yeah. 
got got the podcast going um i don't know i don't know what i'm gonna do next with it i've i've, I've been wanting to do like an episode but at the same time i've been going on road trips and having to pitch and throw bullpens <laughs> i've been bat boy so i may do one that's completely on the milkman uh just because what the milkmen are doing in milwaukee right now with this league that's going on the american association there's like six teams and they have fans it's just you go one place in you know miller park and there's nobody there and you know, everything's, everything's like, oh no, like everybody be careful. And, and then you go to a game and there's people in the stands. It's so strange right now. And I don't want to, I, you know, I, I don't want that to pass by because this is a very unique and rare thing going on in the world. And so that's kind of what I tell the guys every day, like what's going on right now, where you're at playing baseball, this is very rare. I was like, take advantage of it. This is part of history. So I do want to do an episode of something like that maybe with the podcast, but I don't know. I just like doing social media videos on Twitter, or Instagram. Um, I don't know. I guess I could always write a book or something. I, I don't really read, so I don't, I don't think I would read it. <laughs> and I wouldn't expect anyone else to read it. So maybe I won't read a book or write Why don't you just publish a book of all those little notes you said you make on your oh, yeah. phone? So <laughs> on my phone, I have like thousands of notes and I just write different things. Like, uh, I wrote something the other day, like just funny movie lines or something that, you know, that pops in your head. You don't know exactly what category it fits in. But maybe one day down the line, it could be a tweet or something like that. Uh, and uh, so the other day we were doing something in the clubhouse and they were like, you know, guys talking about diets. They're trying to look all cool and, and beach ready, I guess. And I was like, hey, what's the name of that diet where you only eat uh, bread and cheese? <laughs> and one of the guys goes, what? They're like, that's not a diet. That's an opposite of a diet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought that was funny, so I wrote it down. Yeah, that's awesome. But, but it is. I mean, that's my favorite diet. It's bread and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, it's delicious. So <laughs> Yeah, it's not a diet, though. It's a terrible <laughs> diet. <laughs> so where can people find your podcast? Yeah, it's called The Inner Monologue of Dim Tillard. I probably should have named it something smaller, but I don't know. I don't know. I like that because it's really – it started from quarantine, and – uh I just didn't have anybody to interview at the time, really. And it was just me in my office. And so I felt like that was an appropriate title. Um, but yeah, it's just full of nonsense and fun, which is pretty much me. I'm on Twitter at, at Dim Tillard. I'm on Instagram at the same. I'm on Facebook for some reason with the same. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I have a website, dimtillard.com. I just kind of put that together because I was <laughs> trying to help a, a friend of mine with, a, with their website. And so I kind of wanted to see if I could create a website. So I did. I don't know. I just like trying to polish little skills here and there because I don't really know what's going to happen next, which is interesting because the podcast kind of helped me feel a little bit more comfortable with uh, doing a, a broadcast for the brewers. Like I'd never really put the headset on and sat there and tried to complete thoughts, you know, and then convey them to somebody else. And so the podcast kind of helped with that. So I don't know, maybe I'll do broadcasting one day. I don't really know my next job or really what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm supposed to be on a bus to uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, but I don't know. I don't know. You never know. <laughs> I'm up for whatever. So I think it's raining. <laughs> so, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you was, uh, in one of your episodes, one thing I thought was really cool was how you went around and asked a bunch of players, how they, um, how they kept being in shape during this quarantine over Twitter. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, uh, so I thought it was really interesting because obviously it has affected players because it's, it's different. Uh, we see players like um, Boltanowicz, uh, 
he was not able to get his fastball up to the speed that he was comfortable with this year and stuff like that. And I, I guarantee you that uh, slight changes in your, in, in your off season can do things like that. So what is, but you asked all these players that, and I thought it was really interesting, but what is your answer? What did you do? You know, I, you just have to adapt, right? I'm a chameleon. So whatever <laughs> the situation is, you just, just got to adapt. Um, I'm used to going to spring training and having all this built up time to get ready. And then they, you know, and it's all familiar, you know, you've done it. And a lot of these guys in the big leagues, they've done it too. They've gone, this is the way it works. And so this is a special, unique, crazy year. Um, and some guys it's really hard for them. They just can't, well, this is what I have to do to get ready. And if I can't get that, then I won't be ready. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, I would just set up a tarp in my garage <laughs> played soccer with my kids in the backyard, like just did anything to stay in shape and uh, didn't know if I was going to have a season or not. And mm -hmm. up until probably three weeks ago, actually two and a half weeks, maybe I actually thought, yeah, I'm not going to have a season until I got a call. So I kind of rolled off the couch and did it, but you don't really know what you can do until you're in those moments, but you have to be open to those moments. You can't sit there and, you know, be closed minded and go, well, this isn't, this isn't for me, or here's an excuse because of this or, I mean, everybody has an excuse. I, I got over that in 2000. In 2013, I went to Mexico for spring training. And one of the things that the team does before the season starts is play at all these different, um, like all these different like small towns at these really like local park and rec type fields, like just thrown together fields to help try to get attention to bring everyone to the stadium when the season starts. And one of these places we played was I don't even know where we were. We jumped on a bus and we ended up somewhere and I was pitching and I go out to the mound and the mound is just, I mean, it's not what you would picture a mound being, right? It was like, what if your kids were like, okay, let's just build a mound. What would that look like? Well, that's what this mound looked like. It was just <laughs> sand and dirt and, and it had a cinder block, like a, like a cinder block, you would construction block that you would build something with. That was the rubber. That was the mound. Whoa. And it was like buried in the ground. And I remember thinking in that moment, I could either be defeated or I could try to overcome it and adapt to what I had. Because in the moment, I, my first thought was, are you kidding me with this mound? And then the next thought was chasing the rabbit of going, I can't believe I'm in Mexico right now because I couldn't get a job in the States. And then I was, the next thought was, what am I doing? Should I just quit baseball? And so I started chasing this rabbit metaphorically all over the field of my brain. And I just like, no. So I let the rabbit go and I go, no. I'm going to learn how to get somebody out with my foot pushing off a cinder block. If I can do that, then rolling off the couch and trying to pitch for a team, maybe I can do that too. Like you just have to adapt to whatever's going on and attack it. Because if you're still chasing that rabbit and still trying to overcome and adapt, you, you can't do both. I mean, maybe That's you awesome. can. I, I'm not good at <laughs> multitasking. <so. laughs> the listener, you may be able to do that. I can't. So. <laughs> That's awesome. So finally, uh, just kind of, a, I guess, a comic so comment from me slash question was whenever I listen to your podcast, to me, you sound like when you talk, your, your style of humor to me is kind of like if Ron Burgundy was actually smart and knew what he was talking about. Nice. Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> That's so, the ultimate, ultimate compliment. <laughs> <laughs> so has, has anyone compared you to uh, your style of how you do things like that? Or when did you, and also when did you realize that 
you really enjoyed making people laugh? Uh, I got two older brothers, so I just always tried to make them laugh. And I thought, well, if I can make them laugh, then, then life's good, right? That's what <laughs> the youngest, youngest does. And so it, it didn't matter what it was. I tried to be goofy for them and, and just entertain them. And I, I kind of developed this skill of, of trying to entertain as I go along. And I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that because that was just kind of the way I you know, was raised, I guess. I just had this personality. I didn't really put a finger on it until I was older. And I realized like, oh, wow, you know, I enjoy being around people. Oh, well, you're a, was it extrovert or introvert? I don't know, whatever the term is. And I'm like, I don't know. I just, you can choose to enjoy being around people or you can choose not to. And uh, I just, I don't mind people. I find them fascinating. I feel like um, I want to help those awkward silences, right? When you're in a group of people, I'm going to be the guy that's like, okay. And what it, what it stems from, I think, is just the idea is I, I don't really have a lot of pride. I don't really have this, you know, inflated sense of self because it really doesn't get you anywhere. And so I don't know, I'm very transparent. I don't try to hide anything. And so when I enter a room, I feel like I'm the freest person in the room. And with that comes so much I don't know, just unrestrained ability to just enjoy the moment of what I'm doing. Like I'm not tethered going left or right or looking in the past or looking to the future too far. Like I just get to be in the moment. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of get hung up. It's tough for them to be in the moment because they're holding on to things in every other direction. And it kind of distracts you from that moment. And so I feel like a lot of people have the ability to just be and be present in what they're doing and interact in such a way, which I think we deep down all want to do that. And the only reason I've been able to unleash it is because probably I've just not been that successful in what in, in my sport, right? Like if I had 15 years in the big leagues and I was a uh, hundred bajillionaire, you know, who knows, I'd probably buy an island and I'd just be gone and be like, goodbye, everybody. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'd hire tutors, you know, to, to instruct my kids or something. I don't know. And ride horses or pterodactyls, whatever it would be. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it would be, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I would, I would be that aggressive of being out and, and trying to just, you know, cultivate relationship relationships with people because I feel like, I don't know, like I have reached this, reached the top. So why would I even do that anymore? So that's probably a blessing that, <laughs> that, you know, life's hard and, you know, you got to work for it. And sometimes it means being away from your family like now, but at the same time you're experiencing and you're meeting people and that's really what it what it's about is is relationships. Oh, that I totally agree. That was really good. And to be fair, you said uh, it may not be good or whatever, but I mean, you made a freaking major league roster. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I made the opening day roster, two thousand twelve. I forgot about that. I but it was it was a necessity. I think that a couple guys get injured. <laughs> but you no, know, it was great. Like I, you know, that it, it's almost like another chapter. Like I don't even remember the last time I was in the big leagues. It's been over eight years. So mm -hmm. when I talk to guys uh, in the clubhouse and they're like, "Oh, dude, you're in the big leagues. Like, tell me about the big leagues." And I'll go, "Oh yeah, I was scared all the time, and it brought anxiety, <laughs> and I was I just I was a different person then. Like it was really tough to deal." with the pressures that went on. And, you know, now when I talk to young guys coming up through the system, I can go, here's where I failed, or here's what I saw people do successfully. And so I get to help them in such a way that maybe has nothing to do with me. It's just something I've witnessed. And I don't know. I don't know. I just, there's a time when you can choose to help somebody or you can just choose to look inwardly. And 
I don't know. I just, I feel like I, for so many years, I looked as far inward as I could. And so I'm sick of it. <laughs> right. Like I just want to, you know, point outward and, and that's, I don't know, just, it's probably called kindness is what I want to call it. And that's really good. I really appreciate that. So uh, thanks so much for doing this. That's all the questions I have for you. I mean, I'm sure I'd, I would sit here and listen to you talk for hours and hours uh, but it's the, it's my baritone. It's my voice. I don't know. <laughs> you know, you kind of get in this voice. I have this microphone too. Every time I get a microphone in front of me, I just might feel like my voice changes a little bit. <laughs> I don't know why, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> well, this has really been a blast and I, I nice. would say so far, it's been one of the highlights of my caster of the pods, as you say, yeah, caster pod. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, you're the man. Keep doing what you're doing. I really appreciate uh, you coming on the show. Um, I'm going to do my best I can to promote your show the best I can because I enjoy it. I want other people to enjoy it. I appreciate uh, that, Sam. Thank you. uh, You're welcome. Uh, Keep doing your thing and good luck tomorrow on your trip. Yeah. And and, uh, good luck with the rest of whatever it is you decide to do next, whether that's continuing to play ball or, or keep building your social media, whatever whatever it is and uh keep up with those deep wisdom nuggets too that you can through all of us so. <laughs> yeah that's what you got to do you come you come across something and you find that you find that truth or you find that experience it and i always i always look at it as okay you know the mason jar right like you catch fireflies as a kid and then you you put the little thing on and you twist it on there and that's what i do in the moments where you feel something you know that you just like this is what i want this feeling this emotion this you know, truth that has been revealed to you, you take it and you put it in one of those little jars metaphorically, and then you screw the lid on and then you just, you, you store it. And in those moments when you feel weak and you're like, man, what am I doing with my life? I'm so frustrated. Everything's bothering me. The world is bearing down on you. You reach into that, you know, storage closet in your head and you pull out one of those little jars and you open it up and let those fireflies out. And so the, you get those feelings of like, Oh, this is why I'm doing this. This is, this is what it's about. This is, this is how I'm supposed to live. And anyway, I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's my mental thought process in, in life. I think that's kind of the way I could convey it the best. That's awesome. So thanks again so much. Yep. And I just want to let everyone know again, where you can, where you can reach his stuff out. Do you want to tell everybody again where they can find your sure. podcast? Yeah. You can go to dimtiller.com and there'll be a link for it, but otherwise look at it on, I think it's Apple, Spotify, Google, and probably some others. Uh, the inner monologue of Dim Tillard. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> wow. What a great interview. Thank you again so much, Tim, for doing that. That was fantastic. Uh, great life advice, man. Not just baseball, but life advice in general. That was a ton of fun. Thanks so much, guys. Make sure to check him out on Twitter, Facebook, and and his podcast as well. That was fun. Maybe we'll talk to him some in the future. Who knows? But definitely check out his podcast and definitely check out uh, anything else that he's doing. Everything he puts out is great. So that's that's it for today's show, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you check out Tim's stuff as well at Dim Tillard. Is, that's his username on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and his podcast is Inner Monologues of Dim Tillard. Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in this week. After you go and check out Tim Dillard's podcast and give him a great rating of five stars, 
It would be awesome if you could do the same for the Braves Dugout Podcast. Trying to reach as many people as we can. Let's get this episode out there the best we can so that people can hear Tim Dillard's great stuff. It's been a fantastic episode. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Braves Dugout on Twitter and Braves Dugout Podcast on Facebook. And check out the Facebook page. You can also check out Atlanta Braves Dugout Facebook group. And you can email bravesdugout at gmail.com for topics and questions. Thank you so much for checking in. After talking to Tim, I almost want to root for the Brewers a little bit now. But as always, go Braves. <laughs>